1: Back to another episode of the Golden Blogs podcast, the Bearcast, sponsored by the Booth Brewing. Follow your fun. We are back after week three, and now we're going into bye week. This is weird having another bye week so early, isn't it? Oh, it's nice vacation. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, if you didn't know, I'm Rob. That's Andy. Hello. Um, I feel like we never mentioned what our names are at the beginning of the show. Yeah, that was a good call. Yeah, so a good little pivot back, backwards. But uh, how was your college football Saturday? I mean, we spent most of it together.
2: (laughs) I had a lot of fun. I actually didn't watch very much football. It was super busy. But um, I did, obviously, go to the Cal game. Did you not catch the end of
1: that ASU, like, whatever you want to call it? No? No. You have no idea what happened hmm. last night. I know AFC lost. Yeah. That's Which they so, – so to TLDR is that they got the ball back with under a, minute, under a minute or so or just about at a minute. They march down the field and they throw a ball that gets caught at the one-yard line. But then refs overturn it, say the ball was incomplete and a targeting call. By the defensive player. Okay. But it was initially called a catch. <clears throat> so they overturned two things on video review.
2: I'm confused.
1: Exactly. That's all that's everyone.
2: <laughs> so and then so and then because of that, game was game was over. Why? Targeting on the defense forced Arizona State on that was on offense to lose the game? Yeah. How could the game end on a penalty? It didn't well,
1: so that was the play before like the final play of the game. But because of that, they weren't even in field goal range, nor were they like anywhere close. The ball got them to the one yard line. That pass, but they ruled it incomplete and the targeting call, so it came back. And then they ran one play. Yeah, they went on one play, but at that point it was useless because they they weren't on the
2: one yard line anymore. Gotcha. Wow. <sighs> Crazy. The refs. Pac-12 was it? Pac-12 refs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were in midseason form. <laughs> they made so that, that was one of the worst ref games. I moving to Cal, which I did watch. <laughs> uh, that was one of the worst ref games. If it was a game that actually mattered, I, we would have been much more irate. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of PI calls I thought were okay at the end when the backups were in, but the PI call or um, yeah, there's just so many. There's just so many terrible calls. Um, that I feel like they. The one that know. I think most people were upset about was the
1: kickoff return or punt return, where he landed a clean hit right as the guy caught it and didn't call for the
2: fair catch. Yeah. Yeah. They called kick interference. Yeah, that was, that was so stupid. Oh, my goodness. Or when they called the penalty on the guy that actually wasn't. They called the number. They called it on 51. Yeah. We don't have a 51 on offense. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not going to be fun in a game that really matters. Nope. No. Nope. no. Because our team is going to play a lot of close games, and that's really going to matter a lot. Yeah. Those little tiny things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I mean, before we delve, delve into the game, pretty in, pretty enjoyable Saturday. I mean, what do you think of the atmosphere for an FCS game on a Saturday afternoon? It's a 3 p.m. kickoff.
2: The 3 p.m. kickoff was really nice. It got Um, super cold, though. (laughs) It did get really cold. (laughs) I don't – I actually like the 3 p.m. because you still get like a full day in kind of before you go. Um, What is your prime kickoff time? I think one. You think one is the best one? One or two.
1: I'm always just – as as a person that likes just the football game ambiance, I think 4 p.m. are the best ones. Because you get the daylight for like half, and then towards the end of it, you kind of get like the the, the floodlights on and a little bit of that, like, you know, Friday night, night game feel. The, the night game feel.
2: Yeah.
1: So you get it both, but then you're done by seven or eight. So you still have, you know, time to go out for dinner and, and whatnot. So I'm a big fan of 4 PMs. Yeah, but it was a
2: really beautiful day.
1: Beautiful day. Beautiful day. Um, so let's get into what is, I don't know. Would you say it was a good game?
2: Like, as a Cal fan perspective? Well, let me throw it back to you. Okay. Would you say it was a good game? It
1: it was a win, but was it fully enjoyable to watch from beginning to end? Not really. (laughs) I mean, you and I in the box towards the end of it were just, like, twiddling our thumbs, like, just waiting for the time to go down. You know? Like,
2: it was just one of those towards the last five minutes or so. Yeah, I laugh because I feel like you're talking yourself into calling it a good win and, or, you know, like being happy about it. And that's where I've been at all day. It's like, I've seen the reactions from many affiliated with the blog, not affiliated with the blog. That's optimistic saying, oh, we got to see a lot of the future. And I think that's all valid and actually a pretty good insight. But uh, ultimately I walked away from that game. And I think it all has to do with expectations. We kind of covered this at the beginning of the year to go back to the preseason pod of how expectations really play (coughs) into your own experience. But because our expectations are so high, they're at eight wins, you start looking around, the Pac-12 looks bad, UCLA loses again, USC loses and looks absolutely abysmal. So all of a sudden you start thinking, hey, Cal looks good enough. You know, this team could actually make some noise if it's a down year. And when you go up against an FCS opponent and you lose quarters to an FCS opponent because your offense can't move the football, it's really hard to walk away from that. It was really hard for me to walk away from that game and even go through to this morning, even though I was trying to coach myself to be happy about it, being all that happy with what I saw.
1: Yeah, basically what it comes down to is Yes, we got the win But the bitter taste of how the win happened Isn't going away That's pretty much it Like, we would be so much more irate and upset If we had ended up losing this game um, Which, by, by our dear friend Hydrotech, It looked like it at the beginning of the game Like, if we couldn't get our crap together like, There's no way we're going to lose that football no You way. don't think so? No Zero chance I had no doubt. Okay. Okay. So you had no doubt that we were
2: going to win that game. Because I scouted Idaho State. Yeah. (laughs) And they, I mean, their head coach has just never been really all that successful in his whole career. And um, they, you know, were at the bottom. Like they're very recently at the bottom of the Big Sky Conference. Last place. Dead last. Did not share. And then four and seven a year ago. I mean, we're not talking about you know, the FCS team that's going to upset – you put you on upset alert. We're talking about an we're FCS – We're not Appalachian team. State. Right. <laughs> we're talking about an FCS team that is coming and gets steamrolled type of FCS team. And we just – so I, I just had no expectation of even thinking of a loss at all. And maybe that – maybe I'm way too far that direction. But I just – I never saw it. All right, so I mean that's a good transition into
1: the game. Let me give you the the basics first of what happened. All right, Cal plays Idaho State, three p.m. kickoff, and beautiful Berkeley weather. Um, and Cal wins forty-five to twenty-three. Cal led by um, starter again, Chase Garbers, twenty completions on twenty-five attempts, one interception, two hundred twenty-four yards, three touchdowns, and sacked once. Marcel Dancy led the way on the ground with 11 receptions for 80 yards and a touchdown. 11 rushes or 11 rushes, sorry, 11 rushes. Chase Garbers with 10 rushes for 53 yards and 11 losses or 11 yards lost. That includes uh, sacks. So a total of 42. And then of course Brandon McIlwain four carries for 29 yards. He also threw four of seven for 45 yards and a touchdown. Jordan Dumke the way receiving with uh, 63 touch 63 yards on four. Receptions and two touchdowns. Ian Bunting also getting on the receptions with four for 48 yards with a long of 24. That's pretty much it. Nico Romigio was the big one, uh, pun returning on special teams with one. He took four punts, but one he almost ran back and he was just pushed out at it. I believe it was like a four or five yard line. Um, but yeah, that was real good. And then Ashton Davis, of course, ran the kickoff return back for the touchdown, which Hasn't happened since 2015 with Trevor Davis, I believe. So it's been a while since we have a, had a kickoff return and we finally get it. That was fun. That was amazing. Special teams was the highlight, and I never thought I'd ever say that for this. this. We had a field goal, too. We did. We did. Greg Thomas. I don't think we're – we we do not have to worry about kicking. I really don't. I think Greg Thomas is solid. We get anywhere within 40 yards, I think He's automatic. But we haven't gotten it. We haven't. For, to be fair. You're to calling fair. him automatic after three games. That's. I've nice. seen him in practice too. I've seen him in practice. And he's, he's nailed anything inside 40 yards. Easy. You're giving him automatic. Mm-hmm. I'm giving automatic. Anything within 40 yards. 40 yards. So what is that? Uh, uh the text on the first field. Yeah. That he misses. Wait. 40-yard attempt would mean he'd have to be on the twenty six. Yard line? So it's always oh, plus 17. Plus 17. Yeah. So, 20, 23. Yeah. You have to be on the 23 yard line. All right. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, anything within 40 yards, you can make. Yeah. Booking in now. He's bold not going to miss it. He's a not going to miss yeah. On a
2: bold podcast. <laughs> bold <laughs> flavors. <laughs> I don't know, man. I wouldn't call him automatic, but I was pretty thrilled. I guess if you're going to give out grades, I would actually grade special teams the highest of any unit that I saw. Um, actually, I thought the defense played exceptionally well. I loved how pissed off Evan Weaver was the press conference. Which,
1: by the way, Evan Weaver had uh,
2: – this is weird. This stat's
1: weird. But he had 10 total total tackles, 7 unassisted, 6 assisted. That doesn't but, add up no, to he had 10. 13. That's what I mean. But why does it say 10 total tackles? <laughs> Someone did their math wrong on this quickie chart. <laughs> but, yeah, he had 13 total tackles, six, unassist, six assisted, seven unassisted, and, yeah. And then Jordan Knossich, of course, had a total of nine. He had a ha- one and a half sacks and one and a half tackles for loss. So, did you say
2: seven
1: unassisted? Jordan Knossich or Evan Weaver? Weaver. Weaver had seven unassisted. And six assistants, six
2: assistants, and so they're giving a half tackle. Okay?
1: Yeah, they're giving a half tackle for each okay. assistant. Yeah, gotcha. so it's a point five. That's, That's why it's why ten. It's 10. Okay. Yeah, but if you were to just give cold numbers, he's got
0: thirteen.
2: Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, I thought the defense played really well. Uh, obviously, they didn't move the ball whatsoever against the starters, and then the you know kind of ridiculousness came against the freshman. And um, I forget. It wasn't even I think just freshman. Bunches. It yeah, was but it was like it was like deep bench, deep bench, yeah. and a lot of yeah. I mean, I think the majority, I mean, a bunch of said it well. It's like those a lot of those a lot of those guys are getting used to the speed of college football for the first time, and uh, so I wasn't all that mad about it. It wasn't like UNC or BYU, and even UNC was to me the biggest kind of like oh what like WTF moment, whereas. BYU, I still had an unbelievable amount of confidence that were in with a football game, even if as they started to move the ball. And this game, same thing. Obviously, yeah. This one was this one was in the books
1: early. I mean, not first quarter early, but I mean if second quarter, second quarter, but, yeah, exactly. The ball game, yeah. By the second quarter, to find the game. I mean, the, the score at halftime was twenty eight to three. Right. So. I mean, twenty-eight to three is nothing to stand by, considering we just watched a Super Bowl a couple of years ago where twenty-eight to three was erased real quickly. But that's neither here nor there. But <laughs> I
2: forgot they were up twenty-eight to
1: three. Yeah, so we we win forty-five to twenty-three. Evan Weaver, if you haven't watched that press conference, Andy and I still raving about that press conference because he absolutely knocked it out of the park. He was he. You could visibly tell he was upset. Um, at the performance As a whole And the mistakes that he made And the mistakes that the defense made And If that's the type of guy you have As your inside linebacker And that's the tone he's setting, Man Like You can't You can't ask for more Like that's the, That's the style of Middle linebacker leadership That I want Coach Coffee same, same. Yeah You got a coach
2: You got your middle linebacker Saying the exact same thing Yeah You kind of had Jordan Duncan, yeah. <laughs> he said, I thought we played exceptionally well. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I think he was just pretty stoked on his big game. Two touchdowns. But, uh, you love to see that from a veteran. It clearly, just fully bought in and understand it, Exactly that. If Cal has 11 total penalties and, what, three, four turnovers against Oregon, we will, we will not win that football game. Yeah, he said it. He said, you
1: know, Oregon's a good team. And if we don't come prepared, we're going to be run out of the building, and that's that's the that's the truth. I I can't believe he had the balls to say that. Like you know, <laughs> just in in the press, because that's going to be just that's forever there because it's going to be on YouTube. Like the audio the audio tidbit is always going to be there. Like he didn't play coy. He's like, yeah, we're not. You know, we're just going to be focused on on getting ourselves better. But like he just straight up said, yeah, Oregon's a good team and. If we're not prepared, we're going to get run out of the building. Yeah. That was that was impressive for me to hear that for yeah. that guy to say that. Um, so let's move on from there. I've, since our that was just our general thoughts, so let's talk about key moments of the game. Were there any big key moments for you?
2: Mm-hmm. Everything that happened on special teams got the ball rolling. Really, mm-hmm. um, I, this game was just like. Well, okay, fine. Key moments, I think both of the touchdown passes to Jordan Duncan. Once the offense got going, it was like the stadium breathed, the collective sigh, yeah, and the sideline got a little more loose and and all that stuff. And it was really sparked by the defense. I think it was sparked by that Ashton Davis pick, and we went downfield and scored uh, there and sort of put some distance. And so, once again, it kind of seems like the defense fuels the offense. But, so I guess if I had to choose one play, I would choose the Ashton Davis interception. Yeah, that interception
1: definitely was the, the turning point because that – it w- it felt – the game felt mundane. And then as soon as that interception happened, spark,
2: And then it was off to the races. Not to beat a dead horse, but it's a really bad sign that our offense had to go to four downs on an FCS opponent so fast. It's wildly concerning. Yeah, if <laughs> – <let me, laughs> But – and that's why that interception – because I believe we had just gone and punted and then they had gotten the ball back and then we got the ball right back to our offense and then they started building out some momentum. So that's why that felt so important because it gave them really the the cadence or the consistency to kind of loosen up a little more. Yeah, so here's here's our drive chart,
1: all right? We go – our first drive, three and out, eight and out, five and out, touchdown, 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 fumble. Touchdown, interception, which was a freak interception, by the way. That was the one off of Ray Hudson's chest after, and like popped up in the air, and it was it was real, yeah. Uh, then three and out. Then field goal, touchdown, touchdown, three and out. That's how we ended the game. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I can. I'm personally okay with like going three and out, like maybe on the first drive, just because you know it's a new opponent. You're just getting you. You're just getting up to game speed, like you know, just the game has just kicked off, all sure, that, sure, which is fine. But then they go eight and out with a time of possession of three minutes and ten with eight plays that went for thirteen yards, <laughs> and then punting, and then going five plays for fifteen yards with a time of possession of two forty six, and then punting. Like we got into, let's see. Yeah, so that second drive, we started on their 48. We made it to the 35 and punted. Yeah. Next play, we start our own on our own 37. We went to their 48 and then punted. Something's still not right if we can't sustain decently long drives. Like our longest drive was 10 plays, 49 yards, or in terms of plays, 10 plays, 49 yards, 5 minutes, and 10. And that, that was the field goal. Well, let's dive into it. Yeah, so let's go into the offense. Let's talk. We we have to talk about the offense first because there's we're gonna be raving about the defense when it comes, and it's just gonna be easy to talk about. But we gotta talk about this this offense.
2: Okay, so quarterback. Yes. Who, (laughs) who, (laughs) who? Who? Yeah, what? Who would (laughs) we can either go with? Who would you rather play quarterback, or we can go with like what? Were you satisfied with the performance at quarterback in this game? Doesn't that second question
1: lead to the first question?
2: Yeah,
1: your choice. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with the second question leading into the first question. Second question is, yes, I was I was adequately okay with the play of both quarterbacks, right? I mean, nothing spectacular. Like, it's it's not like, you know, Jared Goff or Davis Webb is out there slinging it, you know, 45 mm-hmm. times and, you know, throwing five touchdown passes. And for, you know, their long being like 45-yard touchdown passes or whatnot. No, we, got, we had none of that. Our longest touch, our longest reception, I believe, was twenty-eight yards. That's the farthest it went. Jordan Duncan touchdown? Jordan Duncan touchdown. Um so I mean 20 of 25 with only just an interception, which the interception was not on the quarterback. Like it wasn't badly placed. It was through Raids Hudson's hands, hit him in the chest. He got sandwiched by two defenders, and the ball popped up in the air, and the opposing side picked it off. Like I'm not going to put that on the quarterback. I mean, it'll, on the stat sheet, it'll show us it his, but I'm not going to put that on him. But three touchdowns there, like he had some solid, nice drives, you know, very, I don't want to say vanilla, but it was just, just standard operating procedure of, you know, getting two or two or three plays to get the first down and, you know, maybe having to to stretch into a fourth down to get that conversion. But Otherwise he looked comfortable in the pocket, like he was making his reads. I mean you clearly saw he was making his reads. He wasn't just focusing on one receiver and then if it wasn't there he's he's off to the races. Because he, he had pretty good pocket presence too, moving out of the way, making making runs and make, pointing downfield, trying to get defenders off of him to you know, back up into coverage so he can gain that space to run. And he, he looked good. And then we move on to Brandon McIlwain, 4 of 7, with a touchdown to Jeremiah Hawkins, And, you know, it, you and I both said in the box, he looked more explosive. The offense looks more explosive. Like, yes, this offense turns into just a purely RPO type of offense. But we also haven't seen or given plays where Brandon McIlwain can sit back in the pocket, make three or four reads, decide to throw. Or not. If it breaks down, then decide to run. Like we haven't, we haven't given him those Chase Garbers plays yet, and that's that's the kind of thing that I felt like we would see in this game yeah. because we were up so early. You could you could do a couple of plays like that just to see, hey, can he do this in game? Because I've said this from the beginning is that I thought Brandon McIlwain is a, is a gamer. Like he might not show fully what he's capable of in in practice. But when the lights are on and the fans are in the stands and he see he hears the cheers, that's when that's when he, his just ability is heightened. And I think we've seen that over the last however many games that we've seen him play and however many times he's touched the ball. So who do I now? Who do I think I should start at quarterback? I still think it's Brandon McIlwain. And that's not a knock on Chase Garber. He's he's done good enough to to be the starter. I think. But just in terms of as a fan wanting a little bit more explosiveness in in the offense, I think it has to be – I mean him running with Dancy in like a speed option was ridiculous. Like you – I don't think – there's not a lot of teams that could probably stop him just because that's so much speed and ability to move and just juke defenders that, yeah, that would gain yards pretty quick. And that's it for me, for you.
2: Yeah. Satisfied. But I think if you look at – I agree with everything you said. I think if you look at Garber's line, like 20 to 25, like, wow, super accurate. And then also you have to factor in a lot of drops from, like, mainly Hudson, who just doesn't look very good at all. And um, – but the issue is that you don't see a ton of yards. And it's like 20 completions for 195. Is that it? 224. 224? Yes. I mean, it's Okay. It's okay. I just think like FCS opponent historic, like historically bad, you know, an offensive minded FCS opponent, bottom six team in the big sky conference. And you can't light them up for 300 yards. Bowers was doing this last year. Like Bowers was doing this against D one opponents, SEC opponents. He was going for over three, three fifty <laughs> you know, against North Carolina. He went for that number. Like, and I, so I have such a hard time when people say, Oh, like chase Garber, chase Garbers. Like to me. Garbers throws a better ball. It's, it's nicer looking. It spins well. And he feels the pocket slightly better. But Bowers was actually better at hitting receivers further downfield. We had a more explosive offense through three games last year than we did this year. And we arguably have more senior level like, talent this year. Like, we have more veteran talent this year than we did last year. We don't have Demetrius, but we only had Demetrius for like, two games or a game last year. So to me, I watch Garbers play, and I'm just sort of like, okay, cool, man. But I haven't seen a single thing from him that I would say that he does that is better than what Ross Bowers does. I'd actually give Bowers the check checkmark over Garbers in every category except when it comes to nice. filling the pocket and being able to run. And that's what I believe that Garbers does really well. I think we've all got a quick memory on this one where, I mean, not I don't want to speak for everybody, but I just feel like people forget. Like that Stamper game, you know, like Ross was moving the ball down field very well and then obviously made that one bad play. But I don't know, he was about to lead us to a victory. of, of Not to, to beat on the whole Ross Bauer string because very well could have sailed. But if you ask me like what I would want, I'd want Ross Bauer starting and I want Brandon McIlwain spelling him. And if I can't have that, then I would just start McElwain and give him the experience and watch that offense and see what happens when you get somebody who's more dynamic. He literally, literally. sheds tackles. Like, it's insane. It's like watching Khalil Tate Jr. Well,
1: I mean, look at just the key, case in point to that is that is that uh, his touchdown pass where he, he pulls it. He sheds the, the, the D-lineman. Yeah. Like, that D-lineman is twice his size. D-lineman totally blew up the play. Oh, my God. And he just shed him like nothing.
2: Yeah.
1: And then and then turns and then squares up and
2: makes that throw to Huggins. Or the other play where he, like, ran out, like, had a guy juked him, went across his body and put it on a dime. Yeah. It was – I was like, dude. was <laughs> <laughs> Let's see more of that. So I'm hoping that, you know, I also think what probably happened was I'm sure to some degree the coaches were like, we could continue to run Brandon McIlwain out there. But why have your guy just take hits? You know, this is a guy that we want to keep healthy. Why subject him to a bunch of linebackers, even if they're smaller size, to taking hits? So it could very well be a product of who they're playing. Uh, more and... And, you know, maybe they're saving it for Pac-12. But, yeah, anyways, if I had my say and and everyone was assumed to be healthy, I would probably start Bowers and keep McIlwain backup. But I'll tell you what, if Bowers doesn't start or play against Oregon, then this will be hopefully the last time that I ever bring this up because <laughs> there really won't be any point. Yeah, I mean, we've I don't I don't know how many times we've talked
1: about this, but for the people saying that, "Oh, Chase Garbers, Chase Garbers," like it's not that the kids bad. It's just go back and watch some of the tape from last year. There's not much different in terms of personnel from last year to this year. If anything, we got bigger, right? We got more tight ends. Like we got faster at running back. But yet people are saying Garbers is better than Bowers. Go back and watch the UNC game from last year, and compare that to the UNC game this year, and just compare those two offenses. Holy crap! There's a major difference. On top of that, UNC played with freaking MJ Stewart last year, and Bowers still torched him.
0: Like I. <laughs> uh,
2: and with that, I think it's a good segue. Like we should go to the O line. Yes, we can go running back O line. Your choice, but I think we I think it's a line. combination of both. I think our O line has been the biggest most underwhelming unit so far on offense wow okay they didn't look like they were giving our quarterbacks much time They're not getting downfield on their blocks against an opponent that they should have been able to dominate and Patrick Laird has looked rather pedestrian and part of me thinks okay maybe it's on Patrick Laird but a lot of me just looks at the O-line and just thinks that I just think that the holes aren't necessarily there in the same way. I even asked this to Dancy in the press conference about, like, what was up with the offense in the first quarter. Like, and, you know, I don't even know if Dancy really played in the first quarter. I don't even think he did. He did. He scored the touchdown. Oh, he did in the first quarter? Yeah. Okay, well, never mind. He did <laughs> play. It. Um. And, you know, his answer really wasn't so much about, like, he's like, yeah, I think people get him – more loose, blah 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 the game. But it just feels like the O line has not been as good. And so maybe we overestimated a little bit of like how good this line would be this year. Or I'll go back and say to myself once once more that Great Wood, you know, offensive lines usually take a little while, but it's taken a little longer than I would have thought. What yeah. about you? For
1: the offensive line, yeah, I'm definitely in the same boat. I thought by this game We'd be firing on all cylinders, right? With this – this is offensive line-wise. We'd be 100% go, just mowing guys down, opening up running lanes left and right. Um, but you go – I need to go back and watch this tape. But from what – from just going back off of memory, a lot of the big runs came from our running backs bouncing it to the outside. Dancy doing it, juking a couple guys. McElwain doing it, juking a couple guys. Chris Brown towards the end of the game, bouncing it outside for, you know, for a a first down and a few more yards. Um, So, yeah, I don't know what is going on. Um, A part of me is thinking maybe it's the uncertainty at quarterback or the constant changing of it that they have to be weary because – you know they're they're making it a point of emphasis about that you know ineligible receiver downfield thing. So if if you're an offensive lineman and you that's something that you have to think about as well because your your guy might look like he's taking off and then decide not to and then throw you can't be more than what is it two yards from the line of scrimmage. So constantly being aware of that and their tendencies between McIlwain and. Ed. Garbers doesn't matter because at this point it doesn't matter about what play you call because it's it's a it's a matter of what happens if those plays break down mm. and McElwain is and Garbers both are guys that are going to try and extend plays and make plays with their feet then that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to use those feet and just run past the line of scrimmage he's going to do you know the little the little dip the shoulder and spin moves and stay behind the line of scrimmage and point guys in the open spots and and possibly even throw so in in those types of sense i think maybe there's just too much on the offensive linemen's minds because you you're just constantly this quarterback's in there for a few plays and then this quarterback's in there and and you don't know if you're running an rpo or if you're you know like it, i could if i was an lineman i'd be confused as heck because i don't know like how i'm supposed to play certain plays or know what the guy behind me is thinking he's going to do
2: yeah yes but i think the core assumption with that is that were almost like doing RPO the majority of the time. And I feel like the last few games we've actually started up started off with more of like a power run. Game, the run. Yeah. And it, the power run fails and then we go to it. Yeah. And so in the situations in which it is a strict and easier for the offensive line to know what they are supposed to do, they are not succeeding. Yeah, I mean where let's let's
1: I'm gonna ask a couple questions that are rhetorical. Where is Malik Morsman? Like, we have not seen him line up at fullback a lot anyways. Where have all our other tight ends been? <laughs> no one knows. No one knows. Like, they all just disappeared. Like <laughs> yeah. Gavin Reinwald is MIA. Gavin Reinwald's MIA. Like, at this point, like, nothing is working at tight end. Like, okay, now we started to use bunting a little bit, all right? And that's yeah. – I'm fine with that because the bunting is huge. He's, six seven. He's six seven enormous. He's 6'7". seven. you seen the vein on his question? Yeah. He's ridiculously huge <laughs> and ripped. So you have a guy like that, and now you're finally using him. So maybe this is the whole, like, Galaxy Brain meme where they saved all of their secret weapons for a Pac-12 play <laughs> and somehow r- realized that they could squeak <laughs> out three wins, and we all didn't know that, and now they're just going to unleash hell upon the Pac-12 because Here's the Pac-12 was so weak this year. Here's what we're going to do,
2: guys. We're going to narrowly squeak out a win against <laughs> We're going to narrowly squeak out a win against UIU and we'll look bad against an FCS funder. Just to set up our success in the back door. <laughs> <20. laughs> Alright, coach, we're in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I don't know. I So let me ask you this. Okay. And then we'll we'll jump into the defense after we look at one more one more roster position is the wide receivers. We're RBs. Arby's, I think they'll, they'll come along as as the running lanes open up. I mean, I feel like Laird looks like he's doing the most he possibly can with the running lanes that he has.
2: Yeah. I Dance, mean, honestly,
1: he had that 52-yard touchdown. Which was called back. Yeah. And that was through the middle too. Yeah. That was between the tackles. So, like, yeah. See, that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm,
2: he's doing the most he can with, with the plays that he gets. He just has no time with the ball to do anything. No, he just it's like, oh, okay, great. We ended in the wall, and there's already a D lineman our linebacker. That's you. You have to shake him. Yeah, that's why Dancy looks so good because he's shifty. Yeah. you got those moves, that stutter step that you talked about, stutter the, step in the one cut. Yeah, oh, beautiful. So that's what makes him so attractive as a running back is uh, is that he has a little more of that shake and bake type of stop. He Trace, looks- awesome. Trace put it up uh, from on I think on Cal Rivals
1: on Twitter. But apparently, according to pro football focus, he had he shed nine. He juked nine defenders. He had he had 11 carries and he juked nine defenders. So pretty much he's averaging. He's he's juking at least past one guy on every carry he gets. Right. Which gets you after. Like just extra yards. And that's huge. That's what we need. I feel like we'll see more of our running backs as the as the year progresses. I feel like we'll see a little bit more Chris Brown. We'll see um, Marshall Dancy, of course. So, so I have I have two questions for you. Okay, one, the wide receiver group. What is going on? <laughs> like, I am so confused as to <laughs> what is happening. What is happening? Like, they, it feels like they've regressed as a group. Like where was Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, we were in the box. Where was it? And all of a sudden, we just get a notification that Kanavai's out. That's all they said. Kanavai's out for the game. That's it. That's it. That's, it. That's all we were told. <laughs> so, so, what is going on there? Um, and then the number two aspect... That I wanted to ask you about the offense is if this continues, right? Do you think we have some question marks on the coaching staff, or is it do we need to give them more time to bring in and get recruits
2: that they they like? No, they've had that time. I I, I don't know. I don't know. It kind of depends on how the season ends up. Yeah, more of so course. Than anything else? And definitely a big fan of consistency on staffs because then players get to be the same person but uh, yeah the wide receiver group is bizarre I mean Vic Ward can't hold on to a football to save his life sorry Vic Um, (laughs) and like well on on special teams and on wide receiver because that drive (laughs) looks like he doesn't know what's happening when he gets football like he's making you know he's running backwards and trying to make these plays that that's just not netting it's just not playing he doesn't seem like he's playing Smart football right now, and I don't know why because he seemed to be a pretty heady player last year. And then yeah, Kanavy is like the mass disappearing act. So like, what's going on there? He can't, he's to me the most valuable player on, of the whole receiving court. He's your possession receiver. He is the receiver that you go to when you need the first down. That's and, you're, and he can come over the middle and he can take big hits. Maybe maybe he's out because that hit against BYU. He got rocked. He yeah, got he out. got lit up. Maybe that's why he's out. And then you have Jordan Duncan, who looks super athletic, great in the hands, making good plays. But when it, if you have Vic, that's basically absent, and then you have no tight end that can catch a football, and you have like your slot receiver that uh, is like, MIA, like We have one option. We have one threat. So I don't know. It's looking really thin. We have to recruit better. On that side of football, which you would have – I just would never have expected Taft to, to say that. But we need somebody on that side that can be more dynamic. Nico looks like he could be that player. Um, but He's you should also fast. use someone like to come in as a freshman and star as a receiver early on. Because you can get guys that are younger in that position that can play early. Well, D-Rob, case in point, I mean – he didn't. Re- Keenan, Deshaun, oh, like, yeah, you could put anyone
1: like. Well, we were also guys. we just listed three five star guys too. Yeah. So. yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's the type of talent that you need. I mean, that's that's the difference between getting to the next level. I think is you either go grab a couple of four star guys and grow them and watch them develop, or you go in and make a big splash with an athlete that can play in that position. So here's here's my ending
1: thought on all of this, like development stuff. I talked to some, I was talking to someone, I won't name who it was uh, on when we were in the box and we were talking about the quarterback controversy. Okay. I don't know if it's more of a controversy or more of a selection, I think, but <laughs> we were talking about it and we came to the conclusion. It was, it was two things. It was okay. So right now you're not happy, right? Or you're conflicted on who to, who to choose to play. Right. Then that issue can be put into two reasons, right? Or two excuses. One, you couldn't you couldn't develop those guys because those guys weren't guys that you brought in, all right? They don't have the skill set that you want as a base to bring in, right? So, okay, if that's the case, then we'll move over to the to the other option, which is then you have to recruit the guys that you want to bring in. Correct? But you haven't done that over two years, correct? Yeah. So where, where do we start looking at it now? Like I'm not trying to place the blame on anybody. I'm just saying in which direction do you start to look at? It? Is, it, is it not recruiting well or is it not developing them well? Because if, if, it's, if it's the recruiting thing, then there's an asterisk to it because, of course, you're you're dealing with 18 year old kids. Like you, it just it can go any way, any like at any moment. But if it's a coaching and developmental issue, then then there's a lot more serious questions that need to be asked. Yeah. And so that's that's the direction that I was when I was talking and having this conversation. We were talking about it, and it's yeah, it's it's becoming weird because. As you said, they gave us so much time with Ross Bowers over all of camp, over all of, like, the start. And, and if he's not injured, ugh, like go I, back and
2: watch those interviews. It makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> why? From a football perspective, why would you make your quarterback like Ross so readily available to the media just to put him out there for a series and then pull him? A series. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So either it's horribly managed and it gives me a ton of concerns about the coaching staff and they're, you know, just making, they're all proving to be a lot younger. I thought they were mature beyond their years. Maybe they're at their age yeah. because they're a very young staff. Or Ross got hurt in that game and still hasn't recovered. Yep. That's pretty much it. Right. But yeah, it could be a development issue. I don't know on the quarterback stuff. I mean, you got to say that Garber's is looked pretty good for a guy that has one year of experience. Not even. Yeah. So, I mean, one year of college practices yeah. and all that good stuff. So, I mean, he he looks, at least looks good. I, it's a lot harder to judge McElwain's development. But I don't know. I, I'm i a huge fan of Tui, so his ability to recruit. And um, I think on the outside, like Edwards is – you know he's Bo Baldwin's dude and you probably get those two as part of a package and so Bo Baldwin also has a lot to prove in my mind because he almost landed a coaching position last year and the offense has regressed badly so we'll see maybe two weeks from now we're not even talking about any of this I mean very well could be maybe three weeks like we could even lose to Oregon but look a lot better against Oregon and then yeah. beat Arizona and we could be saying okay cool the offense is fine yeah, yeah.
1: We could lose to Oregon, you know, like on, on a game-winning Hail Mary from 75 yards out. Like that, you know, like in the, if that's the way the cookie crumbles. Like we'll live with it if we ended up making that game competitive offensively and defensively. But we'll talk about Oregon when we get to Oregon. But for now, let's move on to the defense. How would you feel about the defense? I know you,
2: you're going to – you're ecstatic about what you saw. Defense is great. Yeah, No complaints. <laughs> <laughs> There's I mean, – what, there, what is there to say? They're in the backfield all the time. Uh, Evan Weaver looks incredible. The DBs don't give up any passes for the most part. We, had, we made our first kind of boneheaded missed tackle conundrum of the year. Except Ashton Davis made up for it with his electrifying Usain Bolt speed. <laughs> Ashton, can you talk about that play?
1: <laughs> That was so funny. Um, what did what did you see on that play? Yeah. Uh, I saw him running, so I started – I thought I could catch him, so
2: I took off. <laughs> that was. I thought that was the best line. Yeah. Oh, man. So I and I, the funny thing about the defense is there's really not all that much to talk about. They were dominant. They played really well. We played a ton of uh, guys that never see the field at the end of the football game, and they gave up some yards. But other than that – it was as complete of a game as I've seen from them. And um, they're going to keep us in every single game. And the offense will continually be the question until it isn't. It is, defense keeps you in it. and then, But if the defense doesn't keep you in it, we're done. <laughs> we're done. Um, were there
1: any standouts for you on the defensive side? Like, you know, not the usual – but any other guys that you were kind of like, wow, okay, yeah, the, these guys we we have depth.
2: No. um nope. I thought that we just saw the DB depth to a greater degree in this game. We saw a lot more of Drayden, a lot more of Trey, Trey. Turner. Yeah. So I thought that that depth was really solid. It's just crazy the rotation we can do there. Um I thought we had some a couple of really dumb penalties. That face mask penalty, who is that on? I can't remember. On? Oh, I think it was Joey. Was the Hogan banjo? Yeah, 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 I think so. That was probably one of the dumbest plays I've seen of, of the year from us. Yeah.
1: But, um, but that can be fixed. I mean, and also it's true freshman. You, you show him the tape and you're like, never again. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Stand up to me was Weaver. Yeah. I mean, we had – the box was going crazy just watching him go horizontal to the field, just <laughs> jumping up to <after>. I mean, <laughs> cool. So, uh, yeah, he's a monster on the field and he's definitely one of the more fun – players to watch. What about you? There were a few. I mean, Lone
1: looked real good. Um, Tevin, oh, I forgot about my, I have one. Yeah. yeah. And Tevin Paul, because they moved him to the end last game because of uh, Good's injury. I thought last week was maybe just, uh, they weren't prepped for Tevin Paul, like to play at the end. And that's why he surprised them. But once again, the dude played outstanding um, and that gave some Great, great rotation help, uh, and to, for to spell some guys. But
2: you uh, you one guy. Did you think of one? Uh, yeah, Maldonado. Yes. Yeah, he's so tight. He was just like one of those. So he flipped from UCLA to us,
1: and then we lost Check one. Antonio Mafi to yep. that was our that was our trade our our, our pre
2: draft trade, and then uh, Maldonado then went on to try and retweet and recruit every person that's <laughs> ever come to Cal. Yeah. And when they commit is like one of the first people to welcome him to Cal. And then he went out there and got one and a half sacks. And uh, I just thought that was pretty awesome uh, for him. I mean, it was really – and he's like somebody to, to root for. So if you see him on the field, root for him. And then on top of it, he played really well. I, I
1: t- I'm telling you now that when we play UCLA here at home, he's going to rip someone's head off. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's going to – he's going to rip someone's head off and then he's going to do the Remember the Titans. He's going to walk over there and point a chip. You know, with the one finger, and then not the finger, but like pointing his index finger, and then walk back to our – It's like he's going to do
2: that <laughs> that whole segment. Do they take away a scholarship from or from what it, they were full or something? Yeah, from what it
1: sounded like, it was basically like Chip came in, was like, "You're not really in the mold of what I want," We pushed him out. We were like, "Come on up, buddy." <laughs> Come on up. And I mean, as it stands right now, we I mean, he landed on the better team. Ha <laughs> 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 ha tried to tell you, Mr. Mafia. Try to, to tell you. All those guys used Alright. Um yeah, defensively I don't think we had any qualms, right? I mean look at this. They went for a total of three hundred and nineteen yards, one hundred and seventy-nine passing and you know, it really wasn't much. I mean, we pretty much stopped them whenever we wanted towards the end of the game. Like, I know people have those questions of like, oh, did we did we put our, you know, did we take the foot off the gas pedal like in the fourth quarter? But in a game like this against an FCS opponent where you end up playing like your third and fourth string guys and then on top of that, true freshmen that will probably only play this game this year, like this is the only time they will see the field. Yeah. I don't mind giving up those like one or two touchdowns because you have it's like six minutes left in the game, you're up by three scores. Like, even if you give up one, you're not really in any form of like making them gain any momentum for a comeback. And I think who said it best was uh, I can't remember who, who did we, who, who did we talk to defensively? Was it Funches? I think it was Funches that said like the only part that upset him about it was that he, he was upset that he let them think that they could play up to our level. Right? I think that was Funches, if I'm not mistaken. Or was it Weaver? Hmm. It was one or the other. One of those guys said that. One of the defensive guys said that. Um, and I was like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's a good way to handle yourself. Like, you're not, you're not belittling any opponent. But if you're putting yourself saying that we're the best team, you don't want any other guys thinking that they can play with you. Like you don't want that morale boost for any team. You want to just keep them as far below as possible, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm I'm totally in that statement or with that statement. But overall, the defense played great um, and they're going to keep playing great. The only question mark that I had was – we we were just talking about this before we, we started recording. But on the two deep, on the chart that we got on game day – Inside linebacker is Evan Weaver, Jordan Konasic starting with Evan Tattersall behind Weaver and Colt Doty behind Jordan Konasic. According to the official notes that we got after BYU and after Idaho State, neither played. That is very, very not good. (laughs) (laughs) If you have your two inside linebackers that are averaging the highest total tackle, like averaging the most tackles on your team, and you're not spelling them with the amount of usage that they're doing and the, the, the freaking high tackle rate that they're going through. Their body is going to break down at a certain point, you, especially if you're doing this this early on in the season. Early on in the season now is when you can use those guys to get the reps in because later on, when you're playing the SCs or the Washington and the game's down by three points and you want your starter in there but he can't play because you played too many snaps earlier in the year – that's going to bite you in the butt. Yeah. Big time.
2: Yeah. I'm just so confused. Especially against – this is – you play a State for a reason. Yeah. This is the time. I don't know. I don't know. And we would swear that we saw somebody in there that we – th- I think both of us thought we saw Doty in there.
1: Yeah. In the I think we both saw Dodie in there. It might be the game notes that's wrong, but I'd have to go back and look at the tape. Um. Let me ask you one last question before we go on to our awards. Vic Warden, I don't want to say the word benched, but that's pretty much what happened in oh, terms he, of pun returning. He, got, he was benched. He was benched, and Nick Nico took over. And Hudson was benched. Hudson was benched, and Bunting took over. In your opinion, does that continue on? No. You think they get their jobs back?
2: I think Vic will get his job back, yeah. Okay. I... I think, yeah, he'll get a job back. Tight end is a way bigger question mark. <laughs> I think Vic can catch a ball and hold on to it, but... Well, I think wide, he'll play a wide receiver, but I'm thinking he just yeah. has punt returns with what Hunt, ne- with yeah. what Nico did. I think that intrigues you enough. This staff has shown an unwillingness to go young in games that matter, and that's why I think they'll give it to, back to Vic in, against Oregon. Um, but maybe not. Uh tight end I'd probably expect to see bunting play. There's I don't there's very few cures for when you cannot catch a football. <laughs> and continuing to drop footballs against an FCS opponent is just going to open them make a bigger win even bigger. So uh I don't know. I was Hudson is uh I so badly wish we were seeing more from him. Yeah. I think cuz he's
1: just he's a fan favorite too. And it sucks seeing him come to the point and in terms of his play on the field where we have to say, like, we love you, dude, but if you're not catching the ball, we can't put you out there. <laughs> like, we want to see someone who can't. All right, let's let's uh, let's go on to our awards. Your offensive MVP? Jordan Duncan. <laughs> Easy. He's fun. Easy. Good interview. Yeah. Great kid. As I've said, I, think, I I still believe it to this day. Over the last three years, he's had the best hands on the team. He just hasn't had a chance to show it until now. You saw it against that BYU catch. Oh, beauty of a catch down the sideline. And then there's two touchdown grabs too Yeah, today. Great. Uh, my offensive MVP, Marcel Dancy. I think it was easy. He gave such a big spark out of that running back position that we desperately needed <laughs> Like it, it's crazy to me how we didn't see him with like a certain amount of touches like this in the previous games. Like it's not like the dude was injured during UNC or, or – he did play against BYU but just not as many snaps. And then he's definitely leapfrogged Derek Clark
2: on the depth chart after the, the fumble and his – yeah, that issue. Who do you think he reminds you of the most? Previous Cal NUX.
1: I might be wrong here. But just from my memory, he reminds me a lot of Justin Forsett. It well, but because my memory right now is hazy on how Forsett ran in college, because I of course I only saw him play for one year, which was his senior year and our freshman year. But his style of running looks exactly like how he ran with the Ravens when he went to the Pro Bowl. It's that it's that zone running, Gary Kubiak one cut inside type of running where. He'll fake, it out, fake one way, stutter step, and then one cut, get past one guy, and that gets that makes a three-yard gain and a six-yard gain. And, yeah, so that's, that's who he reminds me of. Is there anyone for you? No. I was no. going to go with that. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Ah. What a telepathic signal today. Defensive
2: MVP? <sighs> Weaver. Yeah. Yeah. He might be it for every game. Yeah, until we get Cam Good back, baby. <laughs> yeah, he might be it. I probably DBs. I'm gonna guess some of the DBs against Oregon, but yeah, And I don't even know who else we would choose. Maldonado as a as a. I mean, I might go Jordan Kanasi. She had a I hit a sack and a half and a tackle and a half for loss. So like
1: you know, that's three play. That's three quietly very good. Yeah, three tackle in the backfield like. But of course, the DBs, I mean, statistically, like, other than interceptions and pass breakups, if, you're, if your defensive backs aren't putting statistical things on the stat sheet, that's usually a good sign. Yeah. Like, if they're not having to complete tackles, like, if they're not having to complete, you know, if, if, it, if it just says zeros across the board. PBUs is what you want. Yeah.
2: That's pretty much the only thing PBUs, you want. PBUs, INTs, and low tackle figures is not a bad thing. Yeah. But also, I forget uh who said this, but I think like having DBs that can come up and tackle the way that we can is such an advantage. Oh, that, that was
1: that, was, that was like that was Weaver or Funches, I
2: believe. Yeah,
1: that was really a cool insight. Yeah. Yeah, even uh what's it? Our former former safety, Kari Vanderbilt, said on Twitter, this is the best Cal team he's seen since the golf days. Including the golf days. is what he said.
2: That's a hot take. That's a hot take. I can see that. It's just so hard to. The golf days. That
1: team should have been so much better. And that's a that's a question that we get to ask when we get our guest on next week. Yeah, that's a that's gonna be a very good question to ask when we get him on, which we'll talk about in a little bit towards the end of this pod. But um, yeah, that's pretty much it defensively. I mean, I would probably pick Jordan Konasich. I might pick. Uh, Ashton Davis, because of that interception. I, I believe we still lead the country in interceptions. So, there is that. Advanced stats won't like it.
2: No, but... That's so
1: fun. Remember yeah. what happened when we led the country yeah. after three weeks a few years up. ago?
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah. that just felt so opportunistic. Yeah. This defense feels way better. Yeah. This is like one thing to like give up 40 points a game but lead the country in their And it's another to have like dominated three straight opponents on defense. Yeah. All right. Uh, your unsung hero for the week. Ashton Davis. No, I'm going to choose Nico. That's mine. Nico's uh, kick return that brought the football down to like the four-yard line was something that the offense needed. Ended up in seven points, and we needed that. We haven't seen explosive plays on special teams for like three years. So uh, getting at both Ashton and Nico. But Nico's play in particular came at a time when our offense was once again stalling and just gave him such a short field that it allowed us to, to score touchdown, So yeah I've been saying it I've been saying it for years is that
1: you just need that one touchdown you need that one touchdown early in the year which sets up a little bit of nervousness to the rest of the opponents we play for the rest of the year just showing that on tape being like this guy can do it has the ability to do it and now we have that with Ashton and it gets them a little bit a little bit you know, nervous when a kickoff return happens, and we have to, they have to kick it off to Ashton. And who knows? One guy makes a mental error, and he's off to the races again. But that's what I said. We just need one touchdown just to get into the brains, and we got it. Unsung hero for me, um, I, I I'm gonna say it's Ian Bunting because he came in and immediately became a threat. He came in, and the first catch he had was that 24 yard which set up the touchdown. Yeah. And that was huge. The guy is an absolute massive human being at 67. Like I I I dare say I want to see like more packages run for him. Like just see him run seams down the middle over like a, you know, a 62 linebacker. Um, <laughs> just, just, yeah, just throw it up there, see what he can do. Cuz I feel like he can do that. And he's not he's not slow either. He has foot speed. And he can definitely block because people are saying, "Oh, the reason Bunting hasn't played is because he can't block." Um, I think that might be misunderstood because the reason he doesn't, if you if you look at his Michigan stats, the reason he doesn't have a lot of catches is because most of the time he was in there to block, not to receive. It. So, eh. <laughs> like, if he learned how to block as a tight end.
2: Was there any better place to learn it than under Harbaugh? Yeah, I was going to say.
1: <laughs> like, I was going
2: to like, was underneath Jim Harbaugh not to understand how to block from the tight end position. <laughs> oh,
1: please, please. Yeah, but that's that's the unsung you' Your surprise player for the week.
2: Um, I've been pleasantly surprised with the fact that, like, that we seem to kick the ball off into the end zone every time. Land <laughs> Two surprise players. Yeah, so that, and then Kate Scott. I <laughs> listened to her calls on Back 12 Network. and She was good. She was, was really, really good. good. Yeah, it was really good. So she's my surprise player of the week. <laughs> <laughs> we saw Kate Scott t- uh,
1: that day too, but I mean she was doing an interview so we couldn't say hello. But it would be nice to talk to Kate. Maybe we can get her on the pub. That would be really fun. Um, but yeah, uh, my surprise player, I, for me I think my surprise player is Aaron Maldonado. Because he came in there and just started wrecking. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna say just due to this game, he'll get he'll get time to spell guys in the games coming. You think forward. so? I think so.
2: Oh, wait, he has four games that he can play mm-hmm. where he wouldn't burn the shirt. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna guess that they try and keep that red shirt. I think they'll try and play him
1: against Oregon just to see if he actually still is effective, as effective. Because if he is then you don't want to lose that type of contributor, right? right? Just for the sake of keeping the red shirt. So if he only – since this is the game he only played, there's one. If he plays the Oregon game, then you can still keep two for the rest of the year and, and hold on to it. Or if in, if against Oregon, which is a pretty good team, he shows up that he can ball, then you have to play him all year, right? I don't think you save that up until like Oregon State to test if he's still ready.
2: Yeah. Who else got in this game? Gabe Cherry, you got in. We saw it in a little bit. Um, Let me read it out to you. It is. If I.
1: Why do I not have it? Uh, The notes. There we go. We got Jeremiah Hawkins made his first start. Hunter Abel, Nick Alfton, Gabe Cherry, Will Craig, Daniel Edder, Aaron Molnado, Eric Nisich. Colin Moore Tanner Pe- Prenovost I'm pretty sure I butchered that N- Nico Remigio Daniel Scott Ben Skinner Biagio Ali Walsh and Monroe Young
2: Yeah, wow. yeah it was a big game for everyone yeah Biagio I did not remember seeing I think Biagio might have played special teams mm. so but key
1: guy to look out for out of that list in my opinion is Monroe Young number 80, 86 I believe wide receiver he's hmm going to be good, in my opinion. I think he's going to be really good. And I feel like if this wide receiver staff or this group starts to stumble a little bit and you need just, let's see what else other guys can do, he's going to be the first one out there and he's going to make the moves. Because his route running might not be crisp, but by God, can he beat guys and make catches? That's the only thing. Is can, does he know the route tree enough to make you know clean, crisp route runs? That's the only thing. Um, And lastly, your bounce back player for next week.
2: Uh, Why don't we go with? Ooh, man! Why don't we go with Patrick Laird? He was eleven for twenty two? Yeah, just a devastatingly (laughs) bad line. I I think the big touchdown run coming back really hurt him. So I expect him to do better against Oregon and San Jose State. Got points up on the board against Oregon's defense. Yeah. So this is not an elite defense. Oregon looked beatable this week in that San Jose State game. Yeah, I'm still not sold on the Ducks. Um, I'm still on their offense, yeah. but I'm not sold on the whole package. Oh, yeah. They're going to, I mean, they, they put up, what, like 50 something against
1: Bowling Green and San Jose State. They, they played a good team in the middle. I just can't remember what team it was. Uh, but yeah uh about you? I look that up. bounce back I think it's it's got a Patrick layersir's was, was a really good one yeah bounce back player I think maybe one of the tight ends like I feel like one of the tight ends is is about to break out and it could be bunting
2: it really could be bunting I hope so, man. That's yeah. the one we need. Oregon has played patty-cake schedule. Who was the middle Rolling game? Bowling Green, Portland State, and San Jose State.
1: Okay, yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so they didn't even play a, a, a good middle
2: middle game. and They gave up 24, 14, and 22. Yeah. And they're ranked number 20 in the country. That's high praise for Chris, Mr. Cristobal, who is very much unknown. But we will have a much better idea about what that team is all about after they play Stanford. Yeah, which College Game Day is going to in, in Eugene. They just love going to Eugene. They that's do. They just love Uncle Phil. Eugene. It's Uncle Phil. <laughs> I mean, all night's pretty cool. Yeah, I all night's night. pretty hard. Yeah. Same. <laughs> like, Same. So, like, keep calling and be like, yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm there. Yeah. I'm there. When do you
1: need me? All right. Um, that's it. Do you have any closing thoughts for this game before we close out and look towards the bye week? Uh, bye week will be will be nice. or um, right, let me let me let me give you a more formulated question. Yeah, what do you, what do you expect to be done during this bye week? Like, if you're if you're Wilcox and you're formulating this this upcoming week, like, what questions would you want answered the most?
2: Who's my quarterback? What are we going to do to be more effective on offense early in football games? And will the Pac-12 refs learn how to call <laughs> <laughs> okay. the let me just I'll just say this so bye week last year came before the Stanford game and we looked Which was really late. good Yeah, and it was very late but we looked really good and bye weeks and I've said this before and hopefully we can retire this someday bye weeks after Sunday we we'll always look terrible so we get a live look at Oregon going up against an offense that is somewhat similar to the offense that we run or are trying to be kind of in the to like a more of a run power run scheme. And, and so we'll have an opportunity to basically see how that defense does. So if I'm them and preparing for the faceless opponent, which was an awesome line from the press conference yesterday, uh, I'm focusing in on, you know, just that, like, how do we execute at a level that lowers the penalties, lowers our turnovers, answers the questions on offense, so that we can start getting drives? It doesn't have to be scoring drive; it just has to be a couple of first downs in the first quarter, like, and, and not and not a low third down conversion rate. You know, high third down conversion rate, easy manageable third downs, like all that. Basically, made me focus most of my time on offense. So, yay. <laughs> So pretty much everything on offense, defense, just uh, watch game tape and... Keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Execute at a high level. Offense, figure out how to get into more manageable third downs. And who's my quarterback? Uh, yeah. Is Ross healthy? <laughs> That's a big one. Bees. <laughs> <Peace laughs> the fire. Because <laughs> he did
1: He did throw pregame. He was throwing to watch the series pregame. And he was suited up in the With the, the helmet on? Well, they had... Uh, Yes, because they do wear helmets when they throw on the field, like as they're when they're stretching. So yes, he was wearing a
2: helmet. I don't know, man. I don't know. This is baffling. Sitting there with a hat on. Yeah, I'm sitting there, convinced. convinced. We'll see. This is the week. I mean, this is the week. The bye week answer. I said this with the FCS game. If Bowers had come into that football game, then it would have been absolutely abundantly clear that he was number three in the depth chart. The depth chart still says or or or. So if or uh, how te- technically or, or so how in the world are you going to justify playing an FCS opponent being a 45 or whatever to nine and not bringing in your starter from last year so they can get reps and taking out the two guys, if they are truly your starters, taking those two guys out of the game so they don't get hurt. <laughs> I don't, I don't get it, Like you would have seen it. Yep. Defies football. (laughs) Defies all logic. Yeah, it defies how you run football teams. So I don't know. We'll see. Just Just, to me, like Wilcox is too good of a coach to be doing that stuff. Yeah,
1: I really don't think this is like a mismanagement thing. But they're they're portraying it like it is because that's the only that's the only realistic answers that we in conclusions that we from the outside can come to. And, of course, they're going to say we don't care about what the outside says. Yep. But it's still not a good look on the program as a whole if that's what you're doing towards recruits too. You know, If you're a quarterback, you're looking at that situation going, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? Like if I were to come here, like what? Like I could be set up like as the first quarterback, but then come game day not be the first quarterback. Like it, it, it's super weird. All right, but yeah, that pretty much wraps it up for us. Um, or you you don't have anything writing what this week. Yeah, it's a bye week for you, too. Um, but yeah, you can find us on californengoldenblocks.com. You can find us on Twitter at Goldenblocks. You can find us on Instagram at Goldenblocks. We're trying to get a lot more active on Instagram, so if you can follow us and comment on things, we'll be more than happy to re- reply to your comments. Um, we're trying to do all kinds things. Um, and then also, since next week is a – or this upcoming week is a bye, we have a special guest coming onto the pod this week. Andy, do you want to tell the people who it is or should we just leave it as a surprise?
2: Should sure we have them guess? <laughs> He's a lot bigger than both of us. Yeah. He played football. He played at Cal. Recently. Recently. Very recently.
1: And it was quite good. Pretty good. Unfortun- unfortunate circumstances forced him to no longer allow him to play football. And the answer is Cam Sappel is Camp joining there. us. Yeah, is joining us on the pod. So we're going to talk to him about his, you know, football career here, at Cal. What he's got planned next. Um, maybe we'll we'll ask him for some funny stories or some insights that have happened. You know, in the locker room and stuff like that. I'm sure he's got a bunch of stories. Rap battles and rap battles. Yep, yeah, rap battles. The one thing I do want to ask him about, and this is just a personal question of mine. Is you know that video of him and Ray Davison singing in the car? Yeah. That video. Like I wanna know the backstory of how that came about. Like, like was it planned or did they just were they just driving somewhere and they just hit record and they were just doing it and it looked good, which is why they decided to, you know, put it out on, on YouTube. Like I just I'm just real curious about, about that one. But yeah. Do you have any questions do you have any pretty particular questions you wanna ask, Kim? Now we gotta prep. We do. We do have to prep. Alright, so that wraps it up for us. Uh here. And as always, go bears. Go bears.